You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Today I'm in conversation with author Rachel Friedman. She's the author of And Then We Grew Up on Creativity, Potential, and the Imperfect Art of Adulthood. Rachel offers unexpected insights about creativity, contentment, and the many ways to live an artistic life. This book was just released by Penguin Books and went on sale at the end of December 2019. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Rachel Friedman. Hi, thanks for having me. I love the title of your book. Uh, I'm all about creativity. My childhood was basically living in New York and picking up guitar at 10 and anything creative, you know, I reached for. Um, So I actually looked up your camp, Interlochen. It's in Michigan? Yes, it is, yes. That must have made uh, a huge impression on you. It did. I was there during a really formative time in my life when I had been playing viola for a couple years, but it was really at Interlochen where I realized I wanted to be a musician professionally. And it's a camp where kids study music, acting, dance, visual arts, and it's a very intense in a boot camp for creative kids. It's a pretty magical place. Amazing. Do you feel like this builds a foundation uh, for adulthood? I do. I think that being at that camp, even though I didn't end up becoming a musician, I learned a lot about discipline. <laughs> it really was yeah. uh, an, an intense there was an intense work ethic that was expected of you there. And even though I was so young when I went, I think that that served me really well for the rest of my life. Yeah. I think what also struck me about your book is that uh, my show is called Get the Funk Out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I believe very strongly it's never too late to go back to what you once loved to do because creativity, I think, really helps guide you, especially in the dark times of life. I totally agree. I think that creativity is always there for us to tap into, and we often think of artistic pursuits as all or nothing, and that really misses the point because we are, as human beings, creative beings, and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves you know, to produce a certain kind of artistic product or practice a certain number of days if we're going to say that we play an instrument, but really there are lots of opportunities throughout our day, throughout our months and years in which we can be creative. So how did the book come about? You, you were, you know, reached a certain point in your life when you were thinking, what would my life have been like if I had pursued music as a career? Yeah, I was in my early 30s and struggling as a freelance writer and facing that gap between what I thought my life would look like, and it's much more complicated grown-up reality that so many of us face, and that felt very familiar because I had faced it as a musician years earlier, and around that time when I was struggling, I went to see a movie, wandered into a movie theater on a late rainy afternoon, <laughs> and one of the stars of the film was a former campmate of mine who is wow. Ben Foster, who has become a very yeah. well-known actor. And I was just sitting there thinking, my God, he's just, he's made it doing exactly what he did so brilliantly when he is 11. And here I am struggling to pay my tax bill this year. Aww. What am I doing? And you know, like, what, what is my future going to hold? And I started to think about our other friends from that time when we had all been so sure of ourselves so sure of our paths, and I just couldn't 
shake this curiosity about what had become of their artistic ambitions. So Mm -hmm. I tracked down a bunch of them and asked. And what was that process like? What was their reaction? It was it was a wonderful process. People were so open with me. And when you reconnect with someone that you knew as a kid, it's a weird and wonderful experience because for some of these people in particular, it was like no time had passed at all, even though it had been decades since right. we had seen each other. And there was there is something, I think, about returning to people who knew you at a certain time in your life that can be unsettling and very powerful and reaffirming. You talk about musician part of your brain, even though you stop playing. Do you think that still stays with you? Absolutely. I think that as a writer, I'm very attuned to rhythm and cadence, and probably all writers are. But for me, that feels very grounded in studying music for so long. And playing music gave me and it's a work ethic that has served me well as a writer, you know, putting in the hours, mm-hmm. reworking a sentence over and over and over again. And I think that I still am very moved by a piece of music in a way that is from playing music. I still really get lost in something that I'm listening to that I love in this daydreamy, far away kind of way. I love it. Um, yeah, yeah, so it's definitely still there. I mean, music does stay with you. It's it's something you turn to, you know, through the ups, the downs, whatever. I feel like it's you, you need it in your life. Absolutely. Basically, you came up with this book. You interviewed all those people. How long did it take you to put this together? It took me years. Um, I started it about five years ago, and then in the middle of working on the book, I was pregnant and had a kid, so Mm -hmm. that prolonged the timeline a little bit and was actually another time in my life where my notions about creativity had to be reworked all over again. So this book has been a long, a long time coming. Do you find yourself, um, because I'm a mom, do you find yourself more creative now that you're a mom? I think that parts of parenthood can be very creative and parts of it are not, of course. Parts of it are monotonous and, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the, it sometimes feels like the opposite right. of being creative. But I think that becoming a parent has been great for my creative life. I feel as though I'm more present in the world in some ways as a parent. I can be kind of... Uh, solitary writer or could be before I was a parent and, you know, didn't have to go anywhere (laughs) for days on end, right? And um, now, like, when you have a kid, you're at the playground every weekend, you're at kid classes, you're connecting with other parents and in your community. And that, I think, has been really good for me and good for my writing. Mm -hmm. And I also think, I'm sure you experience this, once you have a kid, your priorities get clarified very quickly because you have so little time. And if ever I had had notions that you know, making art was about waiting for the muse to visit you or whatever, (laughs) you know, those are completely gone. Once you have a kid, you are butt in the chair and you're putting words on the page before that kid wakes up from a nap or has to be picked up from school. And so it's it's really edifying in that way. I feel like you have to seize those moments of downtime when your child is napping or asleep for the night, like quick, and you get this idea and you have to run with it. Absolutely. You know? So you've written yep. some other books. Do you feel like this, um, the other books kind of led to this one? I think that this book and my first book, which is called The Good Girl's Guide to Getting Lost, and it's a travel memoir, is connected to this one, even though that's a much more straightforward travel book and there's much more memoir in that book. 
both of these books are journeys. Um, I do go visit each of the people who are profiled in this book, so it, it is a kind of quest. I'm a travel writer at heart, and I think the book reflects that. And there is an inner and outer journey in the same way as there was in my first book. Now, I, I got some material that came with the book. Um, I, I want to discuss a couple of these. Um, one is Never Quit, But Maybe Quit. The myth mm-hmm. is a real artist never gives up. Tell me about that. Yeah, all of us, whether or not we're artists, are taught to value grit and perseverance for its own sake. This idea that you only fail when you quit. Mm -hmm. And really being fulfilled in what we're pursuing is all about the day-to-day details of our endeavors. And I think we learn over time that sometimes we are better served by quitting than persevering, no matter how far down a path you are. But that's a message that is a little counterintuitive in our current culture, which um, has, again, this notion that you can do anything as long as you work hard and have ambition and put your mind to it. And it's really, it's not that simple. Right. Yeah. I mean, resilience and grit are important, you know. I, I find that I definitely turn back to guitar later on in life as, you know, I face challenges. Do you ever miss uh, playing? Do you ever think about picking it up again? I do. I do think about it. I actually have turned to guitar recently Ah. because that's an instrument I played as a little kid as well for a few years, but I had much less ego invested in it than in the viola, and I found a lot of joy in playing mediocre guitar with my (laughs) almost four-year-old. So that's been really fun. I mean, they're very forgiving. They don't care if you're a little out of tune, a little off, you know. Um, I feel like, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great thing for your son. It's a great thing for you. And it's, I feel like there's little pressure for you. Yeah, it's been a wonderful outlet. And I think that uh, he's really enjoying it. So that's what matters most. Do you have thoughts of instilling, you know, I'm sure you do, instilling opportunities for your son to be creative, whether it's music or other things? Absolutely. I think a lot, though, about how to encourage him to pursue his passions and to work hard, to be persistent, to have ambition, but also how to cultivate equally important traits in him, like being flexible, being adaptable, like knowing how to quit so that if he does hit a ceiling with something that he's pursuing and realizes it's time to let that go and move on to something else that he can do it in a way, unlike me, where he felt so disappointed in himself when he had to let it go. Yeah. But it's never too late to come back, which you've proven with the guitar, so that's super cool. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I think creativity, making art, it's always there for us in some capacity when we want to access it. Yeah. Um, Is that what you do to take care of yourself when things get challenging? You turn to music or are there other things? That's such an interesting question. Yeah, I listen to a lot of music as a form of Mm -hmm. self-care. And writing is something that also provides that in yoga and Pilates, too. Definitely. (laughs) that category. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You need it. I I want to uh, tell you, when I was reading about the book, I was thinking this can apply to a lot of different audiences. Did you have one specific in mind? Because I can see a wide range. Yeah, I wrote the book for me in some ways to try and grapple with what I was going through. But, of course, I hoped that other people would connect with it. I have so many friends and family members who have these stories of what if I had become X and 
it felt like a very common connection and hopefully people feel some reassurance when they read this book about those if only moments. Right. Do you think we beat ourselves up because we're we're trying to do so much? We're you know, we're growing up, we have responsibilities and we're saying, but what if? Yes, I think we're very hard on ourselves and that was one of the big takeaways for me. It's normal to get some of what we want, but not all of what we want. It's normal to feel a little bit disappointed. It's normal to evolve and choose another path, but we can be very hard on ourselves when we think we have failed to achieve something. Yeah. I want to mention uh, we've been chatting with Rachel Friedman. She's the author of And Then We Grew Up and The Good Girl's Guide to Getting Lost. Her work has appeared in The Best Women's Travel Writing, The McSweeney's Book of Politics and Musicals, The New New York Times, Creative Nonfiction, and The Chronicle of Higher Education, among others. Where can people find out more about you? I have a website, rachel-friedman.com, and the book is anywhere books are sold. Okay, and you're on Twitter? Is it at Rachel Friedman? I am on Twitter. Yes, I am at Rachel Friedman. Anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with? I just hope that when people read this book, they feel comforted (laughs) and reassured that our lives are hopefully for the most part wonderful, but also imperfect. And there's no way of knowing if we'd gone down a path, if we would be any happier than where we are now. So it's good to let go, if we can, of those what-ifs after maybe mourning that loss and move into our much more powerful present reality. Definitely. Rachel, thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you. Congratulations on your book. Thank you so much. If you missed any part of this, everything is up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.